Hi, everyone. This is the WorkTech Podcast, brought to you by WorkTech. This is George LaRock. I'm your host, and this is where we explore everything related to the future of work and the technology and people that are shaping it. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to WorkTech. It's George LaRock, and I'm, I'm excited today because I've got a story to tell the market that is probably one of the biggest kept secrets in the market. Um, there was a merger that happened at the end of 2022. Uh, Venture HR uh, payroll and PEO provider announced the acquisition of Namely, a middle market HRIS and payroll provider. And also at the same time, a merger was announced between Venture and Prism HR, the leading tech platform, sort of back office for PEOs. We all knew about that, but I don't think any of us really understood the, the breadth of services that this new entity was bring, already bringing to the market and now the opportunity that they have to extend that. So th there's a that's a lot to follow already, and I've got the best two people here to help us understand the strategy and what this all means to the market. I'm joined by Alex Campos, the CEO of Venture HR, and Gary Noak, the CEO of Prism HR. Welcome, Alex and Gary. Thank you, George. It's nice, really, nice to be with you. Oh, I'm really excited to dig in here. So uh, let's start with quick introductions. Alex, I'll start with you. If you wouldn't mind uh, you know, telling everybody a little bit about yourself and Venture HR. Thank you again. I really appreciate the opportunity. So yeah, my name is Alex Campos. I'm the CEO of Venture Employer Services. And um, you know, kind of the the I, I call it the the tall building elevator pitch for venture. Uh, you know, I in 2004 venture was formed. In 20 2008, I invested in venture. Fast forward after that, in 2017, I did a transaction with Solomir Capital, where uh, I sold 50% of my stake to private equity. And then fast forward in 2021, I did a transaction with Stonepoint uh, Capital, which uh, is our sponsor today. And, uh, you know, over the last five and a half years, we have done roughly just under 60 transactions. And 90% of those transactions are payroll and 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 uh, PEO transactions that we we have acquired and we've done transactions with. And what we do is, uh, you know, we we leave their brands in place. We do not rebrand them. We obviously put a little A Venture company below it. But the general idea is that these businesses are local businesses that provide local services to the small SMBs. We do consolidate those payroll companies as well, PEOs back offices into one cohesive back office. But we have a decentralized sales and marketing approach. And, and we think that provides the most benefit to our clients. It respects the local nature of their relationship with their providers, but it allows them to have national strength, right? So we have all the bells and whistles that you can imagine from any of the big boys, right? Whether it be healthcare or workers' comp or, or technology. So, you know, that's kind of the, the venture story in, in, like I said, the tall, the tall elevator building. Yeah. So how how would you frame? And I'll, I haven't forgotten, Gary. Where I'm going to come to you for your intro in a second. But uh, what's the best way to give everyone the sense of you know whether it's how many customers or how much payroll you're running or you know the 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 scope of the organization? Yeah. So so on a direct basis, where we're dealing with the direct SMB, there's our there are clients, and not through another provider. 
Uh, we're just under, I would say, 900,000 uh, 900, WSE. So we're one of the largest, uh, obviously, out there. And uh, and it's roughly, I would say, we process just under $30 billion worth of payroll. And that's up from 2017. It was less than 50,000 WSCs and less than a billion dollars in payroll. So a lot of a lot of growth over the last uh, the last five and a half years. And it, and it's been obviously generated through M and A, but also organic growth. We have very very strong organic growth. Yep, that's great. That's the uh, I think everybody now gets the oh the biggest story that no one heard of, right? Uh, so Gary, tell everyone about Prism and yourself, please. Oh, well, thanks, George. Uh, and we appreciate the opportunity to talk. Uh, actually, George and I both uh, years ago came from what we call Bullhorn. And uh, so very small uh, world in HR, and we're all together. Uh, so I actually joined F.W. Davison at the time, a little over 10 years ago. Uh, when I got there, I was employee number 28. Uh, but we quickly started growing. Uh, I became the CEO a couple about a year and a half later. Um, brought in private equity, made a couple of other transactions since then. But uh, in the in the last 10 years, we've grown from 28 employees to currently about 800 employees. Um, I, I went to Stonepoint Capital in uh, 2019, uh, at the very end of the year. Uh, and then I quickly introduced them to both Bullhorn and Venture, um, two great friends of mine. Uh, now, what Prism does is we are the largest player in PEO software on the market. Uh, we've got about a 50% market share and we continue to grow. Uh, I saw Alex very effectively uh, growing his business and acquiring many Prism customers. So Alex and I spoke about five years ago and uh, I said, you know, at some point we, we may come closer together and you know, lo and behold, here we are. Uh, but it's a really exciting opportunity to work together. You know, we've got, uh, we think it's a, a, a positive uh flywheel of opportunity because as we do more and more with venture, it makes our product better and that serves all of our other PEO customers extremely well. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And Prism is probably the company that I knew most about just given, um, you know, understanding the growth in the PEO market. Uh, and then uh, at talking to PEOs, uh, Prism HR comes up as, as the back office when it, when it can. So the, um, how does Namely fit in into this? Uh, you know, I think we can understand fueling um, PEOs being sort of the 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 platform under the hood. We understand, you know, the go to market with venture. Um, Namely, as a middle market HRIS, is that uh, and payroll provider is is that the growth path out of PEO or how how do where does it fit? I think probably. Probably both Alex and I can answer it. I'll jump just on sort of the one part of the business side, but then Alex can bring it home with his customer base. What we started noticing a few years ago was PEOs would quote unquote graduate their customers depending on the size and complexity. Sometimes it was at 70 or 80 people. Sometimes it was at 300 people, but they'd be leaving our ecosystem. And we saw this across many of our customers and, and namely actually had a program uh, called PEO graduation. Um, and so I, I thought, hmm, wouldn't that be interesting to own? Uh, also, as we were building our business, we, we, it, was, it was interesting. We were very, very strong on the under 75, say, in the PEO. And we also had a good cohort of, of business through one of our customers called ePay that we eventually acquired. And that was sort of serving customers, say, two, 300 up to 10,000. And that was all running on the prison platform. But we weren't particularly strong in sort of the 75 to 500. That's where Namely was strong. So from a technology standpoint, 
from expansion into non-PEO business and from a hedge from losing PEO from the ecosystem into an HEM ecosystem, it was a great fit. And so I started pursuing them two years ago and, and uh, we, we actually you know, worked very hard all summer long and finally came together uh, towards the end of the summer. Now I'll sort of flip it over to Alex who could talk a little bit more about how he looks at it from you know, customers moving because uh, Alex has got you know, thousands, 15,000 customers perhaps. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, from, from our vantage point, obviously, Everybody knows Prism pretty well is the number one PEO platform, technology platform out there, right, by far. Uh, but there were some gaps there on the HCM side, right? So so as, as clients, you know, when we talk about graduation, I've always said, look, guys, they're not, they're not necessarily graduating away from our service. They're graduating away from our technology, right? Because we had the Prism technology and it was very PEO friendly but not so much on the HCM side. So with the namely addition to the family, you know, it really covers that gap, right? So, so our strategy is that, hey, look, if you need to graduate, you're really staying kind of like, you're staying in the same building, you're just going to another classroom, right? So you're graduating to this technology. And, and from our vantage point, we see ourselves as an end-to-end provider of the entire life cycle of a of a of a business, right? Whether it's a small business, which is one or two people, or you know, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, it doesn't matter, right? Technology is what really matters in that area. Obviously, each tech comes with different business models, right? Uh, so 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 they're really graduating into a new technology, and 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 this really closed the gap for us completely. And now we're just deploying that strategy and 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 going out there to the marketplace to make sure that we can we can fit the needs of our clients. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes really good sense. I, I think you know, I mean, I know that every HCM provider uh, is providing service around payroll, regardless of the size of the customer. When you start looking at the enterprise market or the larger, you know, middle market. Um, and this, you know, gets them out of that sort of PEO business model uh, and the costs associated with that, and and you get to stay with them for that for that journey. That's that makes that makes good sense. So let's the the structure of the businesses. I know that Alex and your business, everybody's operating on. You know, the brands are operating independently, and it makes good sense. You're centralizing on the back end. T- tell me about these three brands. Uh, it sounds like continuing to operate independently um am, am i reading that right yeah yeah we we think of we think of ourselves as three business units we have our direct business unit which is the traditional venture you know peo hcm business that we are directly dealing with the smb we have a, another area which is our b pass our business process as a service we have another division that does that and and then of course we have our tech division which is on the on the Prism side, and those op- those three business units operate independently of each other, but they operate under a common holding company, which is Venture Employer Solutions. But it provides for the different silos because you know they're different businesses. So, so and and we think of Namely, you know, Namely is kind of a little bit of an anomaly because you know Namely had both uh, direct business, right? They had close to two hundred thousand WSEs. And they also had technology, right? So, so we see namely really fit into both business silos, business units, both on the direct side of venture and on the technology side that we're offering to the Prism clients on the Prism side. Yeah. 
So it sounds like, um, Gary, it would be fair to say that, um, you know, you're fueling PEOs in the market and your platform may be fueling the venture PEOs, but it's not a consolidation of across those, right? It's the consolidations over on the venture side, uh, operations and so forth. Yeah, the providers would would consolidate on the venture side. What we're doing is we're taking, we have a variety of technologies and we're investing in all of them. And what we're yeah. doing is we're, we're taking sort of an API or, or web services approach. So the customer may have a co be on a co-employment engine, which PEO, yeah. or they may be on a non-co-employment engine, which would be namely, but we're giving common services. So we're going to continue to invest in the platforms, but not just venture, but all of our customers should be able to serve an SMB throughout its life cycle of growth, should they have that life cycle of growth. And the idea is there'll be common components like applicant tracking could be common across all, performance management, time and labor, reporting, which is very important. The things that the customer touches, uh, their customer, you know, the SMB, should they that shouldn't have to change when they move between business models so they the heavy lifting would be in the back end so we are consolidating all the technologies into a common ecosystem with a, a user interface layer that's simple and consistent across all the technologies that's great okay so all right so that we've unpacked the uh i'm sure there are more complexities but we'll 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 stop there for now we get we sort of understand the business the value um, what was happening in the market, uh, you know, trend-wise or or in general that uh, that brought this deal together at the end of last year? What were the, you know, what, what did that look like for you? I think from my perspective, uh, and I'll let Gary cover his. You know, I, I think venture had grown to a level, and and you know, since probably the last fifteen years, we have been building technology around the prism core technology, right? So, so Prism has been our core technology for over 15 years, but we built a lot of ancillary technology around that because we wanted to distinguish ourselves like any other company would want to do. But what we were lacking was our own tech platform, right? We were the only large player in the industry that lacked its own tech platform. And, and, and that, you know, I felt, I call it my Achilles heel. I felt that that was something that you know, we needed to address. So, so that's how I viewed it. You know, um, I'll, I'll let Gary cover how he viewed it from his perspective, why this transaction made sense, but th that's my vantage point. And obviously it was the leader in our space when it came to tech. Yeah, to be fair, what we're trying to cover here in just a few minutes, um, we probably spent, I don't know, 30 hours explaining to our private equity partners uh, the industrial logic of it. But as I mentioned about, uh, about five years ago, I started talking about this with Alex. Um, the way I looked at it is in our world, interestingly, software is usually an extremely profitable world. But in our world, the companies that have been most successful are those that have both the technology and a direct services business. We had the tech, but not the direct. And as Alex mentioned, they would uh, the opposite. When you put them together, it becomes a virtuous cycle. So what happens now is we look like a lot of these other companies. We have the we have the financial resources now to invest even more aggressively than we have in the past. Um, and it also served to solve one of my other problems, which was consolidation. Um, we've had over a third of our clients acquired. And of those a third that were acquired, 40% or so were acquired by one company venture and the rest were acquired by different partners. So industry consolidation in the PEO world was definitely a challenge. 
And I think so. This solved uh, this solved the my my two biggest issues, which which was more margin and consolidation. And as Alex mentioned, it solved him being adrift, perhaps without technology. So it all came together. And as I said, it's a virtuous cycle because now we're bringing product in a more enhanced way that not just venture, but every other Prism customer benefits from. So it's uh, it's rare when you get a virtuous cycle like this. We're really excited about that. Yeah. You know, you've um, you've answered so many of my questions that, you know, speaking to, um, you know, uh, uh, what brought you to Namely, the, the timing of this, sort of how you'll operate and go to market. I'm curious, though, I, l- I like to think about the different constituencies, right? And one of them is the customers. Um, uh, I, I'd, I'd like to pause on that for a second. What what kind of impact do you see for each of the customers? If this merger happens, um, you know, what's the impact to each of your customer bases? So l- let me start off with two views and Alex might want to dive deeper on one view from, I, I look at two customers. First, my, my direct customer, which is, you know, the PEO or, or the ASO. Um, and, and the good news was not, I'm not saying this didn't create some anxiety. Of course it did, because people wondered, but the, this model has been successful by other companies and, and we're too going to make it successful. But it solved the problem for my customer because I was not able to, and any of them would tell you, we didn't have good enough UI UX, for example. That was an area that Prism was a little bit, maybe more than a little bit behind. We've been talking about coming to market with a good HCM product for years, actually. Sometimes we didn't have the resources or the people or the or the focus. So this transaction actually enabled me to dramatically accelerate the delivery of the look, feel, experience, and and technology models that my customers wanted. And we could have it a unified experience. Now we're not complete with that unification. It's only been a few months, but we're really making huge uh, strides to that. Then from the other lens, from a customer, and I'm not speaking specifically about any customer, but most small businesses that start and come to PEO, whether they're two employees, five, 10, 20, I don't know the exact number I'm making it up, but somewhere well north of 99% of those startup customers never get beyond 2,000 employees. I don't know the exact number, but it's probably 99.5%. Well, it's difficult if you have to, if you grow out of a particular provider and you have to change your technology stack, retrain your employees, tra- train them on new applicant tracking, new reporting, new this, new that, it's a nuisance. So what we brought to the customers, you know, you said something earlier, we, we're letting the form follow the function. The function was to make sure that the customers, PEOs, my PEO direct clients got all the privacy they needed and their customers got to move between models relatively frictionless. Right. And that's really important when they move between a co-employment to a non-co-employment model or to an EOR model, they can keep on the same technology stack. And and what little work needs to be done is behind the scenes by us. So that's really how I looked at it. Alex might look at it slightly different for the the direct venture customer. Yeah, no, I think I think it's very similar, you know, from a ventures customer point of view. So so let's suppose we had a a 50 WSC client who eventually, you know, using the same lingo, grew, wants to graduate off of the Prism technology onto, let's say, the Namely technology, right? Where now we're building tools that that graduation can be seamless. First of all, that the UI UX for both look the same. So you're not having to relearn 
you know, what the, where things are on the page. Number That's number one. So that's super important. Number two, for purposes like for us who are a service provider and we have to jump back and forth between both platforms, single sign-on capability that makes it simple. And number three, migration utilities. Utilities that allow us to move a client bi-directionally based on their needs and technology as it changes over the life cycle of the, of the business, right? So, you know, started out as a PEO client, grew to the point where he says, you know what, I really want to become an ASO client and, and I, and I want to use my own tax ID for whatever reasons and I don't need you to provide me healthcare anymore. Okay, fine. We have a solution for that. You know, it's like we have an app for that. We have a solution for that. And we can migrate that client over to the HCM platform. And, and it's not like an act of Congress to do it, right? You don't have to start implementation from scratch. You know, we're building those kinds of utilities and technologies and bridging that will make us the end-to-end provider for the industry. Yeah, I, that's the, you both made some really key points. The, those transition points that your customers go through, the end customer goes through, I've got a HR community with, it's about 13,000 people in it. And it's constantly, we're moving from a PEO or we're going from, you know, 50 employees to a hundred employees, or we're going to grow to 300 employees. And it's always, you know, this doesn't work for us anymore. What, what will work? Um, And though, if you can provide a path and, and starting, starting with what they know, and keep a service level there, that's huge. The other thing, you know, listening to you talk about the back office side of it, another constituency we we I try to talk about is your employees. I, I would imagine the employees across the board here in all three companies are are pretty excited about what this looks like moving forward. I'm just picturing the example you gave Alex of going, you know, between they have to keep it straight, like between screens and never mind that customer's, um, you know, environment. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things venture specialized in throughout its whole entire life cycle is contingent labor force, right? We, we've we been a staffing-centric PEO forever. And now even more, this is more important. We have technology that lets you do daily pay, lets you work with a contingency workforce that, that you know, that most of our competitors don't even have any any kind of platform in order to handle. Yeah. Yeah, and I that's, you know, I was on a call earlier today all about the extended workforce and I mean in this market um you know the I, we've never seen the labor market um at least currently so disconnected from the economy um and the skills mm-hmm. shortage everything else happening in the world having that content the ability to have a total workforce perspective it's just as relevant to this 10 years ago, we wouldn't have talked about SMB businesses and the extended workforce, but today it's all these things are just as relevant for them as it is to the 50,000 person, you know, uh, large enterprise. So, uh, so how, tell me about the, the, the future. Like what are the, what are the plans? uh, What are the things that you're thinking about? For this this new entity, as you march forward in in the in the market, it's a big open ended question. You can do whatever it you is, want. With it, it is <laughs> it is it is open ended, but we're okay with that. Right. You know, so I would say, you know, look, we have a lot of options, right? You know, 
our company is is not just tremendously uh, large and grown on the top line, but also has extremely strong bottom line. We have very strong EBITDA, so we have a lot of optionality. You know, whether it be stay the course, continue to do a roll up of the industry, continue to grow, find strategic other transactions, assets that we can acquire that are accretive to our ecosystem and stay the course or do another private equity transaction or go public. I mean, it's really all of the above, right? And and timing matters, right? You know, we 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 don't choose some of these things for ourselves. Timing is important. So, but what I can tell you is, you know, we know a lot of our competitors you know, really have um, don't have a lot of optionality, right? They they may have built a build business as a top line revenue business, but not delivering on EBITDA, and and you know that has changed over the last twelve months. <laughs> well, we we really do have both, so so we're in in a great position. And I'd like to take a different cut of the question, and but and respond to it less. What are we going to do? But how is it that the world is changing for our customers and how that's going to drive some of the decisions we make? Like, for example, I kind of look, there are six big things happening to small, you know, small, lower businesses. Again, you know, we talk about two to 2000, you know, you mentioned it just a few moments ago, George, you could have a 25 person company that has different individuals living in 15 companies, countries for crying out loud. We One of our customers just had an employee who's in Israel, one who's in India, and several in Europe. I don't know where in Europe they were. And that was like a 25, 30-person company. Um, so you got a globally distributed staff. There is huge cost pressure on everyone right now. You know, there's labor cost pressures, we all know. There's inflation. There's all sorts of cost pressures. And we don't see them going away. We live for two decades in historically low interest rates. I think those days might be over. You're seeing a lot more onsourcing because perhaps using China as the uh, you know manufacturer of the world is going to be changing. Uh, states and local governments and the federal government seem to find no end in their ability to change uh, compliance and regulation. The relationship, and we've all been talking about this the last couple of years, the relationship between the employee and the employer, it's changing. It's not necessarily bad. Some of it are not positive. Some are positive. But it's definitely eroding some trust in the new model a little bit. And I think, you know, it's really hard to rebuild that trust. And I think, you know, what we're doing together here at Prism Adventure is has some capability to help address those trust issues. The, the last two points, employees expect to be able to operate with speed and with ease. And they expect to do what they want to do anywhere in the world they are, anytime they want to do it, and with any tool they want to do it on. That's really hard, particularly for small businesses. And I think we help bring that together. And then the last thing, and I don't say we have all the answers to these, no one does, but there's a complicated paradox going on. Everyone talks about burnout. There are too many emails, too many texts, too many slacks, too many chats, too many Zoom calls. Everybody's burned out. At the same time, if you poll almost any company and the employees, they say there are gaps of knowledge. So there's a lot of information and yet not enough knowledge. So using systems and technologies and methodologies to reduce the burden on communication and yet get more relevant information into the hands of the employees where they need it and when they need it is super important. And I think what, as an industry we're doing, can impact that in, in very important ways. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's one of the biggest takeaways there for me is that, you know, you just, you talked about all of those concepts. I could easily be having that conversation with someone who has customers only in the large enterprise and everything we said, right. The late eighties, nineties about the world was changing, how talent was going to change everything, the, how technology, how data was going to change everything. Um, It has, and it's changing it for the SMB as much as the large enterprise. It's 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 really cool to hear you talk about those those concepts. So, um, just one or two final questions. I'm, I'm curious, given the economic climate, um, how for SMB and middle market companies, what, what kind of impact do you expect the economy to have? You know, on the PEO model through you know through this uncertainty it, or or any at all. Yeah, I I actually think you know one of the things that we saw during the 2000 and day you know uh, decline is that you know PEOs weathered that extremely well. You know I, I tell my partners that what you'll see is you'll see the average WSC go down per client, but you'll see us grow the number of clients. Right, more people will be looking for outsourcing, more people will have to diversify. I think also. One other thing with our, our BPAS, our business process as a service, we deliver tremendous capabilities there, both, both seats and technology. But one of the things that we saw is that the pandemic normalized the remote nature of employees. And because the pandemic normalized that, right? Like I'm an old fashioned guy, right? I want everybody in the office. And well, you know, come at late March, I had no choice, right? Everybody had to go home. So, so I think it's kind of normalized that, and I think employers are going to look for ways to outsource more and to reduce costs. So, I think that we are uniquely positioned as an industry. By no means are we, you know, completely, uh, let's say, recession-proof, but I think we're extremely recession-resilient, and, and that's what I see coming for 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 the next. And from the SMB and 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 our clients' point of view. They're going to need help, and I think we're uniquely positioned to help them reduce their costs and and to operate at a at a better margin than than they would other be otherwise be able to do on their own. Yeah, yeah, and I would say Alex's data is accurate. We saw it across you know 300 PEOs and ASOs, uh, both in 08, 09, and also during COVID. We we actually grew six percent during COVID. Um, yeah, wow. which was even a surprise to me. But I'll also point out the the obvious. Everything that you can outsource when when there's uncertainty, the more you can outsource, the the more you do. And I think whether you're big or small, you tend to do that because <laughs> it, it it variableizes your costs a little bit more and takes some risk out of the equation. So I think it'll it'll just drive the business. And the other thing that'll drive, we talked about it before, but there'll be an increased use, <coughs> excuse me, of contingent workforces and outsourcing and BPO and all these things. So all the models, and more importantly, the ability to move in between models relatively uh, without friction. Yeah. So, yeah. Great points. So uh, where can, this is the easiest question today. Where can folks, what's the best place to go to learn more about uh, each of the entities or the deal or any of it? Yeah. So so, venture.com is our website, right? That's uh, where clients can go. Uh, I mean, uh, I think for, for Prism, Gary, you can give them the website for Prism and uh, or they can reach out to, to us by email, you know, either at info at or myself at alex.campos at venture.com. 
uh, either of those would would be would be perfect. Uh, and similarly, prismhr.com. Uh, I'm Gary Noak at prismhr.com. I take smoke signals; those work. The only thing I don't <laughs> take is TikTok. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I I really enjoyed this. I I any one of these points that we covered, we could have dug in for an hour each. But uh, thanks for moving quickly with me and for being here. I know you're both really busy. And congratulations on the merger. Uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Thanks again. Thank you, George. Thank, thank you, George. Appreciate and th- it. And thanks everybody for uh, for listening or watching.